Hello and welcome to episode four of the Little Chapters podcast. I'm Kate and Jess is here too. I am here. I'm feeling a little bit more confident about stepping into the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. (laughs) And well, that is quite an apt accidental link because today we're talking about introversion and so you have just overcome a little bit of introversion by saying hello (laughs) a little bit yeah I feel like I'm really excited to talk about this and I think the reason I'm more excited about about it than you are is because it's a very recent realization for me whereas you've known you were an introvert for how long like I feel like I've always known I feel like it's something my mum's always told me that I am Oh, you're so lucky. Is your mum introverted as well? My whole family is. We, like, don't like speaking to anyone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You are so lucky. This is why you're chilled about this one, and I'm so excited, because I come from a family of extroverts and feel like I've been surrounded by only extroverts my whole life. I can imagine that would be difficult. So this is the difference. Yeah, that's why we know. But I feel like... Because it's been such a new realisation for me, I feel like maybe people listening might not know, might not even know what introvert, introversion versus extrovert, extroversion is. So I feel like we need a definition. I think so. Good. Because... (laughs) I happen to have one. I I happen to have... A great definition of, from a website that I really like, actually, and it's a really good Twitter account to follow if you are introverted, and it's called Introvert Dear, and its definition is, the definition of an introvert is someone who prefers calm, minimally stimulating environments. Introverts tend to feel drained after socialising and regain their energy by spending time alone. This is largely because introverts' brains respond to dopamine differently than extroverts' brains. In other words, if you're an introvert, you were likely born that way. That's interesting. I didn't know that about the dopamine. Well, I didn't. I had no idea. And it's interesting because we were talking about dopamine quite a bit in the last episode, were we? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, so we respond to it differently. That is interesting. And as you were reading that, I can't now for the life of me remember where I read it, but just know that this isn't my idea. But I remember reading a kind of definition or the difference between extroversion and introversion and it being around where you get your energy from. I've always thought it was an energy thing. Yeah, and extroverts are like a solar panel. So they suck up energy from everybody around them. And and that's how they obviously generate their energy and, and keep going. Whereas introverts have an internal battery that we need to recharge ourselves. And it's not affected by other people. Well, it is affected by the people around us in that that's what drains the energy. But it's not, we don't respond to other people in the same way as an extrovert would. Yeah, like going to a party drains me. I need a day Ideally, I'd have a day alone afterwards, whereas an extrovert would feel like my mom I'm thinking of and my sister's extroverted as well. They feel really energized by a party. Um, they really enjoy it. And how would you 
define yourself with examples as an introvert it's like who's the introvert kate with examples like this is a yeah <laughs> show you're working <laughs> <laughs> i think it's like you said it feels like i need a lot of gearing up to do stuff that is social and that doesn't just have to be in-person stuff i find it and i've spoken about it on my own channels that being a part of the instagram community and the interaction that that involves i find very difficult to deal with on an energetic level so things like i will quite often have a bath to respond to comments in (laughs) which has resulted in me dropping my phone in the bath but that's by the by but yeah it's kind of like for me being in a nice hot bath is like the equivalent of putting myself on charge I can restore that battery so that's a good time for me to be doing the draining thing of replying to comments whereas if I was say on a train um, where there's already quite a lot of people around draining energy then just if I was to try and reply to all my comments and messages then that would just be doubly draining so having a bath is like tapping away on your phone while it's on charge yeah yeah exactly exactly I love that thought yeah how do you feel about parties don't really go to any (laughs) I honestly can't remember that I yeah I I can't have been to a party party and since I've left university Mm. Like nights out, how did they used to make you feel? Um, Like I was being something I wasn't. Yeah. I wouldn't relish it. I mean, there were people I was friends with where it would be like a real kind of really gearing themselves up and they were really happy to be going out, whereas I had to sort of really gear myself up in a more negative way to do it as a kind of like pump myself up, you can do this (laughs) (laughs) Sort sort of way of doing it. And I have to think about it. And there was there are two kind of different types of night out, I guess. One's where you'd go, because I was in university in Birmingham where there's like a big gate crash at club, for example. That was like so bad because I also kind of hated that sort of club scene. So not only was it quite a draining experience, it was also just a horrible place to be. No offense if you like gate crusher. Um, <laughs> whereas something like going out to a cocktail bar or for dinner or for like there was a night in Birmingham um, at like a jazz club. So it would be kind of dancing, but it was a lot more my kind of thing. That was a lot easier because I actually found the thing fun, but also that it wasn't just really intense in a very sensory way. Yeah, the sensory thing's really interesting because I have always hated noise. Mm, I hate noise. (laughs) Yeah, like I just hate it. And I've always loved being alone. And as a kid, you know, I just don't think this was a thing at the time. I don't think we knew the difference between extrovert and introvert and that people are different and that's okay. So, you know, you get the term shy. Oh, they're shy. They need to come out of their shell. Oh, they're a loner, you know. And I naturally was a shy loner Mm. and still am. (laughs) (laughs) I am. That is the natural me. But because my family definitely didn't get it, And I get why they didn't get it, because they were all extroverted, so they couldn't Mm. quite understand it. And because I wanted to please them so much, I used to fake it. So I used to fake this very outgoing personality. And I did that right up until I met Jason, a fellow introvert. (laughs) 
Uh, luckily mm. and I didn't know anything about that at the time and I do feel very lucky for that and we sort of just had you know these conversations around well I don't really like going to you know weddings for example I find very very draining I don't really like going on big nights out either oh me too me too and that was really nice for me I remember that being sort of you know a really big deal but before that I had pretended to be an extrovert because I thought that was the norm. I thought that's what you had to be. I had, I just had absolutely no idea. But it wasn't until... I'm just wondering, though, did you know that it was okay to feel that way about nights out? Or did you question it? When I was at university, that was one of the things that made me more of a social pariah. That the people that I was living with in my first and second year thought that like I was treated like a leper because of it that it was like they could not get their head around the fact that I wouldn't like Mm. it and I think they also took that as me as a judgment on themselves and as their choice of being able to do that whereas actually it it probably was kind of a little bit but no it was that yeah they just couldn't they couldn't understand it yeah but don't you think that's because and I still think this is the case now I think the society, societal pressures that we're under are very extrovert-led. Mm, because they're the loudest. Yeah, because they're the loudest. So it's a given that, you know, when you go to uni, you want to go out and get absolutely mm. blind every night and look at all the adverts on telly. Nobody on telly is having a quiet night. All we're seeing is party, party, party. Yeah, I think it has a big effect. And I think if you're not aware of this stuff, it can really make you question yourself. Mm. Did you do the 16 personalities quiz? The Myers-Briggs one, yeah. Yeah. I've done it several times. (laughs) Why several? (laughs) To see whether it changed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and just to kind of, yeah, basically that's it. Just to see whether it changed and to try and remember, make sure that it was still kind of right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings around the Myers-Briggs thing and it's come up in, (laughs) talking about therapy again, but it has come up in therapy a few times and I do get the whole argument around we're not born that way, It's it's a reaction to our surroundings, but I do think I've always been an introvert. I definitely think that. When I think back to being a kid. Yeah, being a shy kid, when I was like at nursery... There was one person who, I don't know what you call him, nursery worker, nursery leader. Yeah, so she was my mum's friend anyway, so I already knew her. She was the only person I'd speak to. Like I w- if some of another nursery leader spoke to me, I couldn't speak back. I was that shy. And so that that hasn't been born out of, like, <laughs> I'd only been born like three years. <laughs> it hasn't been, it wasn't through my life's experiences. I think that for me, the fact that my parents were very introverted meant that I wasn't put into a lot of extrovert situations. And what I think that did is that it meant that later in life, I didn't have the tools to deal with that. So whereas you'd always been kind of pretending to do it, like Mm -hmm. I was thrust into an extrovert situation of freshers week at a university and had no way of processing what was going on. You would have been like a deer in headlights, I imagine, Mm. thinking back to my own freshers week. Yeah, I I did. I followed the crowd. That's what Mm. I did. I followed 
and tried to kid myself into believing that I was having a good time but that couldn't continue no definitely no no definitely not because it's so draining and you're you're following a path that's not your own I think which which did you come out as on the 16 personalities I'm an INFJ I'm not surprised so what's interesting about that one and that something that I could really relate to is that a trait of that kind of personality is that they are introverted, but they are able to show extroverted behaviours when there is something that they're very passionate about. Yeah. So for me, it's really easy for me to get on a live on Instagram in front of like a thousand people and talk about what I believe in, what I do, help people answer questions. Like that's the easiest thing in the world for me to do. That's really difficult for me to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really have to psych myself up and like double up on deodorant. And oh my gosh, I absolutely hate it. I mean, I don't do the live unless I really, really want to or feel like I should or have to. But the talking to stories thing is getting easier for me, mm-hmm. definitely. Were you the same every time you did the quiz? Yes. Yeah, the same every time. See, I'm INTJ. Mm. which is the most introverted you can be as a person Uh, that's that's very interesting it's interesting that you're thinking not feeling though it well can you remember last episode i said that's one of the reasons i went to see a therapist right i wasn't feeling ah okay so the fact that you are because i think of you as a person who very much goes on your intuition but that is a learned thing rather than a natural thing Absolutely. And that's why I can understand the argument around it's a snapshot of you in time Mm -hmm. and we can change. Although I do, I have definitely got better with feelings, but it's something that I've had to learn. I think my default will always be to block feelings out and go to overthink instead of Mm -hmm. feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I am, I'm the most introverted that you can be like I can spend 90% of my time alone and be absolutely fine Mm. I love it when people cancel plans that's not (laughs) saying that it's not saying that I don't want to spend time with people I do but it drains me to do it and I have to I mean I have to be really careful that I don't go to recluse like I can turn into a real I can really really get reclusive where I won't leave the house for days and I'm fine with that but and this is something else I wanted to talk to you about in this episode was about how I think both actually because we'll I'm guessing we'll have listeners on both sides that are extroverts and introverts and if they know about it sometimes I think it can become a bit of an excuse Mm -hmm. so I can easily think oh I'm not going to go to that the other week I went to um, an Instagram social which is something that I'm really passionate about love Instagram love the community like the socializing online but to go normally I just think oh but I'm introverted it's not for me Mm -hmm. and I have to be careful of that because I think it can get in the way and sometimes it can be more of an excuse as opposed to accepting the fact that I'm just afraid of the unknown Mm. yeah that's interesting I don't think I really I do use things as an, things this as an excuse. And I think that the Myers-Briggs 
personality types, the 16 personalities test, which that's based on. You can go either way. You either have to use it as awareness or you can go into a way of using it as an excuse. So, oh, well, I'm not ever going to try it doing that because it's just not within my personality to be good at it. Whereas actually it's more about... Well, I know that I'm not going to be naturally good at that, but I'm going to use my awareness to be able to make sure that I'm putting things in place to support myself while I'm doing things. And so I very much lean towards that end of the spectrum where I don't feel like, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm an introvert. I just think, well, I'm going to then have to make sure that I don't make any plans for the weekend because I'm going to want to just lie down. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's really important to use it as more of a tool and like you said, an awareness thing instead of a, this is my identity now and Mm -hmm. this is who I am. And I think if you're a bit unsure of yourself and your identity, if you're struggling with that sort of thing, which I probably was at the time, actually, when I did the test Mm. first, I think it's very easy to think, oh, this is me. I found myself now. And I think it's proof. I'm probably going to get a lot of astrology fanatics (laughs) complaining now, but I think there's something around that. And I think it was Darren Brown that did this. Do you like Darren Brown? Yeah. He's so, so good. He did a bit of a thing around horoscopes and how when we're told things, especially things that are good, we think, yeah, that's me. Oh yeah, that's definitely me. Yes, that's me. So all of a sudden we're sort of taking in this information and crafting this identity and all these beliefs when it may not actually be true. But I do think it's really important to do the test. So we'll definitely link to it in the show notes so that you know which you are. Because for me, it was just so enlightening. And it was the same for Jason as well because once I'd done it I just sent it to everyone that I knew (laughs) I was like you have to do this you have to do it because I felt like such an outsider for so long it was such a massive deal to me and it was interestingly very closely linked to around the time that I started the blog yeah that makes sense I did the test and I definitely think I hung on to the identity side and that I got a lot of validation from it And so it gave you some permission as well. It did give me permission. It was like, oh, I'm okay to just be, to just be, but to, you know, to be quieter. And it's okay that I like spending time alone. Because again, like we said earlier, when you look outwardly, extroverts usually shout the loudest. So they're the ones that stand out the most. I'm thinking about, bloggers in particular that I was following at the time and they were very you know I just didn't feel like them and I wasn't because now I can clearly see that they're more extroverted I'm more introverted and again that that's fine there's no right or wrong but just to know that the way I was was okay was a massive permission slip for me absolutely huge what's interesting actually thinking about the people that you surround yourself. When I first did the Myers-Briggs test, it was in in a job. Everybody who worked for the company did a Myers-Briggs test and everybody compared and I was the only I in a sea of ease. <laughs> well, introverts are the minority. I thought it was 30%. I don't know where I've got that figure from, but I think it's 30%. I thought it was way more than that. Yeah? I've no idea. <laughs> I'm not basing that on anything. <laughs> Maybe that's because you grew up in an introverted household. I don't know. I always thought they were like a silent majority, you know. Really? Yeah. We'll have to look it up. 
We will have to look <laughs> this up. I need to know the stats now. <laughs> so while, yeah, that was kind of by the by, everybody else was extrovert. However, when I was reading through the profile of the INFJ, there were several things in there that I didn't want to recognise in myself because they didn't tally up with the pathway that I had decided that I wanted to take in my career. Ooh, like what? So at the time I was working for a marketing recruitment agency as a marketer. So what I was seeing day in, day out is all these, um, and what was valued in that place was the career paths of people in marketing, the sort of things that they were doing. So I could really see very intimately where I could go and that there was a lot of value placed on that. So I think that's why I was sort of thinking, well, I'm going to be a, a marketing director. I'm going to be a CMO, all that kind of things and saw that trajectory mapped out. And then I think it was something like in the INFJ profile, it was like they need to do something they feel passionate about. They need to do things that make an impact, that help other people. And because I couldn't see that in that corporate marketing trajectory, I thought that was just something that was wrong rather than that was actually something that was right with and it was within me but I just chose not to pay attention to it at that time and then a few years later when I retook the test and had already I think I had started the blog by then and then as I reread through the profile I was like oh (laughs) that and that had been a part of myself that I'd been fighting against for a long time because I thought I should have this mapped out career path and actually that wasn't wasn't gonna sit with what motivates me that makes so much sense and that goes back to the whole wanting to believe the good stuff Mm -hmm. because it would have been quite difficult for you to have been told at that time oh by the way you're in the wrong job you best do something about that Mm. (laughs) it's like whoa what Mm. that's not a nice situation all those dreams you've got they're not for you yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't blame you at all Mm. so that's just an interesting thing to just if you are going to take the test yes to take it with a pinch of salt anyway as you should anything that you do that's like that and Myers-Briggs is by no means without criticism in scholarly circles however that you have to use it as a chance to be honest with yourself Um, and sometimes that does just take time to unravel Mm, definitely I have got the stats go on then what did you say I thought they were a silent majority okay psychology today says Researchers estimate extroverts make up 50 to 74% of the population. Oh, okay then. I was wrong, I admit. But I do wonder how many of those extroverts Mm, don't know and are like the old me pretending Yeah, I shouldn't say lying. Pretending, that's a better word. Well, you know, and I think a lot of the time, you know, like when you used to do those tests for jobs if they do a personality test I always used to say what I thought they wanted to hear oh yeah especially if you're doing it for somebody else to see you absolutely Absolutely. and it you know it doesn't take much to realize that the values that are really highly rewarded are usually extroverted values things like Mm. socializing networking speaking out in a meeting um so I just wonder if that's true 
or mm. not. But I guess whether we'll it's more know. at the fifty percent end of that spectrum. Yeah, but even if it is, it may it does make sense because all those yeah all those people pretending to be extroverted <laughs> <laughs> still make you feel like the minority. So I guess that makes sense as to why I feel like the minority. I'm so jealous that you grew up in an introverted household. Yeah, and I think that other than that blip of when I was at university, I've always been in quite safe environments for extroverts. So I've never worked in a huge corporation. I've always worked for small businesses where there was a maximum of 15 people in the whole company. So that meant that there wasn't, like, although a lot of them would have been extroverted, there wasn't, like, 150 people and me who are extroverted. And then when you when I moved into this online space I think it's flipped the other way around I think most of the people that are engaged in this kind of Instagram world and blogging are you know 70 80 90 percent are introverts I think certain industries definitely attract yeah totally whereas if we were in Canary Wharf it would be one percent introverts I'm I'm sweating (laughs) (laughs) So I think people do find their place like that. Yeah, I agree. So how do you think you... Let's go back to the Canary Wharf thing. I did used to want to work there. That was the vision that I had for myself, was to go into like a big finance career. Oh my God, I so can't imagine you doing that. That just sounds Me like... Neither. Like, how did you not know that was the worst thing I didn't try. know who I was. <laughs> I mean, I don't think people quite understand just how much I didn't know (laughs) who I was, how much I was in the wrong life. (laughs) I really was. Yeah, I feel like I've definitely navigated towards where I belong now. But I'm wondering for you, how you use your introversion to your benefit being the minority? Oh my gosh. See, that's a really interesting question because... I think it's a superpower. Well, see, but then the th- the things I can think of off the top of my head are all negatives. <laughs> like what? Like the fact that I just don't reply to anyone. <laughs> yeah, see, have you read um, Sarah Tasker's definition of web travert? Yeah, I don't... I And I... That's not you. Respectfully... Ris- dis- not respectfully. Respectfully disagree yeah. with, with that because, yeah, that's the opposite of me, I think. It is the opposite of you, whereas I think it is me. Mm, I think it's you. It's definitely you. Yeah, I'm much more extroverted online than I am in real life. Like When I went to that Insta meet, which I I did force myself to go to, I I, I didn't really speak to anyone. (laughs) Yeah, and see that, and that's funny because I think even if I didn't know you, the way that you are in stories and the way that you're always very good at replying to people and you reply to all your comments and stuff, like you just never think that you wouldn't be able to talk to someone. No, not at all. I'm the biggest introvert in real life, but online I'm definitely more extroverted. But Mm. I know that's not true for you at all. No, I yeah, I'm much and it's funny that I've created a business where I speak to people one to one because that's where I'm that's where it also shows up negative for me. Like I said earlier, I can speak to a room of a hundred people, I can do a live broadcast and I'm happy as Larry, but if I have to speak to somebody one to one, that really makes me nervous. 
And that's where I'm best, I would say. That's what I'm more comfortable with. Yeah, I'd say so too. Ooh, very interesting. I'm guessing, do you not work with mostly introverted business people, bloggers? Yeah, I've not made everyone do a Myers-Briggs, but I think (laughs) it's probably fair to say that, yeah... At least a good 90%, I would imagine, would be. So that's kind of a niche then. Without saying it, I know you'd never advertise yourself as an introvert's marketing coach. <laughs> but, <laughs> that you is, know, that is a just, niche. <laughs> just by being true to yourself, portraying your life online, it's very, it's a very cosy, not, I wouldn't say lonely, it's not lonely, it's like, you know, you're not, you don't post pictures of you with loads of friends and stuff like yeah. that. It's just a quieter life that attracts like-minded people and then you're helping them which is great because I bet if I googled marketing coach or whatever a lot of noise would come back at me and I would feel like that's not for me and I think that's interesting going back to what we are saying about different professions and environments attracting people I think marketing is probably something that attracts extroverts and very much the online marketing help space I would say was dominated by extroverts who were very good at putting their face all over everything and all that kind of glitz that you get with it and Mm -hmm. I know that I attract people and I always remember one client saying to me I came to you because you didn't tell me that I was a unicorn in your sales copy (laughs) (laughs) because I yeah I think I attract like-minded people because this is probably it because I market my business in a way that is that an an introvert can do yeah not all introverts can market in very big brash ways so I have in this course of setting up a business created a type of marketing that is really made for introverts and I think that's probably why I track them absolutely so then it comes back to the point of it's really important to be okay with who you really are and try and harness that you know, just because you're not an extrovert doesn't mean you can't be a marketing coach. You can do it in your own way, in an introverted way, and then you'll attract like-minded people and build a successful business out of that. Well, this is the thing that I, there's no right way to do anything. And um, I think particularly it's something that I come up against every day in, because it's what I do, but in marketing that people really agonize about doing it right and the only right way to do something is the way that you're going to be able to consistently wholeheartedly do it Mm -hmm. so even though there will be some people say the right thing to do is to have this long email list and nurturing funnels and stuff like that if that's not lighting your fire then you don't have to do it and I think that's the same with life if going to the parties and having a job where you're expected to be the life and soul of the office like that that's not the only right way to do stuff you can find a way that's that's right for you and then yeah that's all I think that transcends into I think that transcends into everything and I think a lot of the time we feel like there is a right or a wrong and usually we're so quick to think that we're wrong Mm. I get a lot of minimalism questions around you know well what should I do with this am I okay to still keep this stuff and I'm like yeah you can keep you know keep whatever you want it's not about there is no right or wrong and I think that's what can freak people out the most because most of us just want a 
set script to follow mm. and even if it's say you're an introvert and it's a script designed for an, an extra more extroverted life like I did we we still try and follow it and we end up going down the completely wrong path unnecessarily I think it's such a mm. shame yeah so I'm looking forward to people doing the quits <laughs> I really want people to let me know what they are. <laughs> I'm going to use your favourite saying, which is listen to your gut. I had a client I spoke to yesterday, actually, and we were talking about all the things that her business might stand for. And we'd, we'd kind of got to a point with it. And she was like, this is so funny because over the last couple of months, I've been thinking about, you know, should I put a recipe card in with my orders? And should I talk about my veg patch? And that, and that was her gut screaming at her that this was the right way to go, but she was just so worried that it wasn't right, that she didn't do it. So it's tuning in and, and listening. And if something isn't feeling good, that is telling you something. And it's not telling you that you've got something wrong with you. It's that this situation is wrong for you. Absolutely. I really want to know about the veg patch. <laughs> exactly. The right I people do. want to know about the veg patch. <laughs> I want to know all about the veg patch. We've got a veg patch up the road from us and I'm so intrigued by it. I almost want to um, hop over the wall and have a good nosy round it because it's something that I'm, I'd like to get into. Yeah, you've become surprisingly green-fingered, haven't you? Since oh we my gosh. Our old house was really... I always use the word generic, so it was exactly what you would expect a youngish couple to have on the outskirts mm. of the city. You know, room for a garage conversion and nice square garden and all that. And we had like quite a big garden and some of it was paved and then we had two levels of grass and I never went out there. Mm. Never once went out there. And I spent six months telling estate agents that I don't want to garden don't want to garden because I realized it wasn't something for me and our house here has a little I don't even know how to describe it really. like a it's border got, yeah it's got like a border around it we've no drive or anything like that we've not got a front garden or a back garden it's hard to envisage and we're like tucked away but we've got a little border that goes around it and I'm obsessed with it I'm <laughs> absolutely obsessed with it I think it's because it's more manageable for me. Yeah. Like I've got it. the right garden for me and I can just potter and I can, and here's the thing that I love doing. I love arranging and this is the visual in me coming out mm. and I like moving stuff around and getting the compositions right. You've got to be careful with doing that though because you can kill your plants. I know and I have killed, I have killed a few, but it is all trial and error and I want to learn and I need to fail a little bit, but yeah, veg patch, very interested. <laughs> <laughs> very very interesting but there you go there's an example of an introvert <laughs> yeah exactly you just never know so now it's time for another question from the little chapters post box and today we've heard from Orla and her question is what aspect of simplifying your lives has had the biggest impact on your happiness oh my gosh that's such a big question mm. can you see the answer very clearly or is Not it? at all. <laughs> no, I know. I think I'm the same. I think I'm definitely the same. Well, I'm interested in this for you because you, it was purposefully for happiness that you simplified your life, like in a very intentional way that you realised what was important, what would make you happy. And then you went about creating that. Mm, I think what's been the biggest key for me around 
happiness has been figuring out myself Mm -hmm. and who I am and accepting that. And I think that's come definitely come from a place of simplification, but just one aspect. Oh, I don't know. It's Mm. because it's like I did all of it. I think I think time's a big one. Mm. I think gaining regaining control of my time has been huge. And I think I did that by saying no, by learning mm. to say no. And I think if you're going to focus on one thing, I would say it should be that, on learning to say no, um, because that can transcend to all different areas of your life. And I especially found that useful with regard to reclaiming my time. And especially as an introvert, having time and space on my side and probably needing more of it than most people it was just huge in order for me to be able to really make changes I would say but it is really difficult to nail it down to just one and I think I don't know if it would be different for everybody as well because it depends on what your situation is if you're surrounded by you know really toxic friendships then I would say that would make the biggest difference Mm. if I thought maybe I don't know you were with a partner who was you know really bad for you and and that was making you the I think it depends on what's making you the most unhappy Mm. actually I don't think it necessarily matters what it was for me as such I think I would probably turn it around and advise all her to think about what it is that's making her the most unhappy and then that's the first thing you need to change Mm, that's a good point I was gonna flip it around and say of all the things that you did to simplify your life what could you have taken out of that process that and still have got to the point that you're at now does that make sense yeah none of it yeah needed to do the whole I did Mm. Yeah, I really, really needed to do the whole thing. I needed to do it in a set order. I needed to start with what felt easiest and build up to the most difficult bits like my job and my friendships and relationships and, you know, where we lived and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I started with the stuff around me. That was definitely easiest and my wardrobe in particular. I couldn't have got to the point that I'm at now without doing all of it I would Mm, say that's interesting I do think the people that you're surrounding yourself with is key but I think I could say this about every single aspect so I'm not sure I'm gonna give a very very good (laughs) answer (laughs) because I just think it's all so important well and for me I think what I found difficult with this question and actually what I continue to find difficult with thinking about this whole simple living thing is that actually my life was already pretty simple to begin with. This is what I mean about you being a secret minimalist. You're a natural minimalist and you don't even know it. Yeah. You can't even see it. (laughs) So it's It's really hard for me to pinpoint something other than work which as we discussed in last week's episode at length is that was the thing 
that has had the biggest impact was making the decision to take that into my own hands and, and I completely agree with what you said about time. Oh, see, now you've got me thinking. Now I'm now all I can think about is your two most precious resources are time mm. and money. And in which case, yeah, prior, if you can prioritise those and simplify those two aspects, you're onto a winner. Because the more of those you've got, the better. As I spoke about last week, at the moment, I'm a bit time poor and that is having an impact on my happiness that's not a good one. And so I think once you have control over your time, that's what made me happy, especially initially after I left my job, it was having all this freedom and being able to do things that I want. And it still continues to make me happy that I can set my own hours and that I don't have to get out of bed at half past seven every morning. That was a huge thing for me because I love to sleep. So I think that's the thing that if we work backwards, it all comes down to having control over your time and and using that time to figure out what makes you happy. And then that's, then you can get onto, as you said, if it's the toxic friendships, if it's the stuff full wardrobe, if it's your job, once you've got the time and space around it, you can really start to analyse it. Mm, Definitely. I think time is key. I think the more of that you've got, the better. And it's just so great to be able to, when I was at my most unhappy, and it's still the case now, is when I'm dictated to by other people, when my time is Mm. dictated to, does that make sense? Um, You know, when when I don't have control of that, even to the point where if I've said I'll do a live on Instagram. Yeah, you hate that. I I hate (laughs) it. I hate it because it means I have to do it at the time that I said. It's something that really, really bothers me. I like complete and utter freedom. I love that feeling. I still like a little bit of structure. <laughs> I do, but I like to... Um, to dictate it yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like to be in charge of it. That's something that I... And I don't know if it maybe comes from a place where I used to feel so powerless with my time, but now I'm a little bit obsessed with it to the point where it's mine and nobody Mm -hmm. is going to dictate to me what I'm going to do with it I'm not Mm -hmm. sure but yeah I would say focus on those two things time and money because they are your two most precious resources and I think the more you can free those up the better the more choice you'll have the more options you'll Mm -hmm. have to go after what it is that you want to make you happy and just as a caveat to that I know that neither of us are the biggest fans of Jenna Kutcher in the world, but I do think she has a point when she says that money is a renewable resource, time is not. You can always make more money, but you can't ever make more time. So that's really why time is at the top of the pyramid for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. I didn't know that she'd said that. Yeah, on a podcast long ago. (laughs) Long ago. (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I hope that sort of answers your question, Orla. I think maybe we don't really know either. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's helpful. (laughs) Maybe we've helped ourselves as well. If you want us to answer a question in a good way or a bad way, you can email us at thelittlechapters at gmail.com and we look forward to hearing from you. We do. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Little Chapters. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode and found it inspirational and perhaps a little bit galvanising too. If you have a friend who you think would really benefit from this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode. 
yeah, we want to reach as many people as possible and hopefully build up a bit of a community around the podcast as well. So if you can think of anyone who might benefit from this episode, please, please share it with them. And if you could leave us a review and a rating in iTunes as well, that will help to boost us and help other people find us. Thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.